Ex-Arizona, first pick in the draft, DeAndre Ayton gets a sense of his future. More summer league talk and roster compositions. Let's get to it on Locked On Wildcats. You are Locked On Wildcats. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Happy Friday, everyone, and thanks for keeping it locked on, Wildcats. I am your host, Mike Luke. All right, we got a lot to get to this show. We're going to talk some DeAndre Ayton, some Dalen Terry, some Benedict Matherin, some Christian Coloco, some of the usual suspects here. Then we're going to talk a little bit of the roster breakdown, what uh, to look for this coming year, what to look for the year after that, and we'll kind of see where that takes us. But first... Unless you've been living under a rock, you know that DeAndre Ayton signed a contract uh, with the Indiana Pacers. It was a four-year, $133 million deal, which was promptly matched by the Phoenix Suns, which I don't know it should surprise people, but it was... It was interesting with within the with the manner in which this came about. First, this basically means that DeAndre Ayton will at least be a son through January because they can't trade him now. Now, I think a lot of people were really surprised to see that DeAndre Ayton might uh, be coming back, especially with the way that uh, last season ended. But I've always felt it was kind of this way. If I'm the Phoenix Suns, that I mean, let's be let's be honest here. Your DeAndre Ayton is not David Robinson. He's not Shaquille O'Neal, but he's 23 years old. You can pencil him in at 17 points and 10 rebounds per, and that's better than a lot of what you're going to get from pretty much any centers out there. I would say at this point that he's probably a top five to seven center in the league. And again, he's not a franchise cornerstone, but he's a really good third option. Now, what I would like to see from the Suns, assuming that Aiton is in this for the long haul, I would like to see the Suns actually utilize Aiton in the proper way. We've talked about this before, but Aiton can do things out there. He's a pretty fluid athlete. He can make some plays down low, but all too often it seems like the Phoenix Suns were just comfortable putting him in these kind of rim runner type positions where, I mean, yeah, but I can find somebody in the middle of the late first round that can do that. So what does that really, what does that really accomplish? So it was a good move by the Suns, especially because you need somebody to pair with Devin Booker. The Kevin Durant thing is obviously still on the table, but you obviously need somebody to be able to pair with Devin Booker because Chris, or, uh, Christian Colobo, Chris Paul is kind of at the stage in his career where I can't really count on you. I mean, you're... You know, you're going to be, you're 37 years old now. You're going to be 38. You had a really good year this past year. But once the Suns hit the playoffs, he was pretty much toast in that second round against the Dallas Mavericks. I would like to see his minutes scaled way back to something where it's like 40 minutes per game, or not 40 minutes per game, like 40 to 50 games per year because I need you ready to go come postseason time. That's what I'd like to see at least. But back to Aiton. Um, again, you know, as disillusioned as some might be with the way the season ended, especially Monty Williams, it's hard to let a guy like Aiton walk. 
especially when you look at some of the absurd contracts that some of these players are signing. You know that he's tw- you know that he's probably twenty and ten upside, and he's not going to get in trouble, and he can be probably your third best player for the next 10 years. And you can be good at that. You've still got to reshuffle your roster. I think you still got to get uh, better at certain positions, but I'm happy that the Suns went ahead and did that with DeAndre Ayton. Now let's get to some more summer league talk since it's now over, but we've started a lot with Benedict Matherin with Christian Coloco. We're going to talk a little Dale and Terry. Now Terry yesterday put in his best game as an NBA summer league pro. He put up 20, put up 20 points Eight rebounds. Again, big picture, and I realize that I'm kind of speaking out of both sides of my mouth. I think that the, I think Dalen can be the best pro out of this entire trio of U of A guys, mainly because he. Well, and Benedict Matherin does too. So again, I'm not. I don't want to act like he. He just has so many aspects that you can't teach. And he learns so quickly at what he needs to get better at. You remember, uh, you know, two games earlier. He looked lost out there. He had six points and six turnovers, or eight, uh, yeah, seven turnovers. And talking with his dad a little bit, he said, you know, Dalen was pressing, but he was right back in the gym. It got to the point where the Chicago Bulls nearly had to kick him out of the gym and tell him to go home. You're getting that kind of gym rat in Dalen Terry, and that's what, if you're a Bulls fan, I think you're excited about. Again, this isn't going to pay off instantly. There's, there's no doubt about that. There's just no way that it can because, again, he's a young guy. He's still very raw. But by the time Dalen Terry is 23 or 24 years old, you're not going to want to mess with Dalen Terry at all. He's going to be that kind of player that is, again, I don't think he's going to be an all-league type player. But if you were to tell me that he had Andre Iguodala type upside, I could certainly see that. Again, our guy Matt Muehlbach will always say that, you know, the only difference is there's not quite the explosion with Dalen that there is with Andre Iguodala, but that's not a bad comparison. I dig that a great deal. And the other thing that's great about it is Dalen Terry's going to, he talked about it before and it raised some eyebrows. I loved his quote, but when he said, I'm looking to compete against the best, I'm looking to go against the best players out there. I'd rather uh, learn in the NBA than dominate in college. And now he's on a team where he's got DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. Dalen, I think you're going to be right on there to be able to write on that track right there. All right. Benedict Matherin, another guy, kind of goes without saying. He looks the part. If I Again, and I've said this from day one. If I was drafting, I would have 100% picked him. Uh, or at least on my big board, is the fourth best player. I like him more than Murray. I like him more than Ivy. Um, I think that there's just not a lot not to like about Benedict Matherin. Now, you could say that his defense should have been better. He's in college. He's a motivated kid. I have no doubt that when he does get to the NBA, well, he's there now, they're going to tell him the importance of defense. And I, you, you always hear people say, like, oh, the NBA, they don't care about defense. Well, they do. I mean, you have people that have made entire careers just based off defense. So if he can get that part just up to average, offensively, I don't really have many concerns. He can get to the basket. He can take threes. He can pull up. He can do a multitude of different things. So, and physically, I think that's what surprised a little few people too, is just how physically impressive he looked out there. Um, and again, it shouldn't really impress anybody or it shouldn't really uh, um surprise anybody I think at this point mainly because he is a you know I mean he got much much better between his freshman and sophomore year I'm very interested to see what that jump could pertain to from his 
what would be his sophomore to junior year then? Can he come back with even more ball handling? Can he come back with an even greater sense of court awareness? And he showed a great deal of improvement in both of those realms. So it's exciting to see what he can do. Um, But if you were to tell me that there's an NBA all-star position in his future, I could certainly see that. Um, Again, great kid. Uh, Coloco, Christian Coloco is a guy that I could kind of see going either way. Um, he's not, I would doubt that he's going to play a ton this year on the Raptors, mainly because you've got a guy that I think kind of fits that role right now in Chris Boucher. But I think that's a little bit of the template there in that you're that long, wiry shot blocker who you're going to have to learn how to shoot threes. Now, Boucher was shooting threes in college. Um, but if you remember, Boucher got hurt. It took him a while. He bounced around, but he finally got a nice little role for himself in the NBA. Christian Coloco is not as good as Chris Boucher. Um, but again, that's kind of where the template is, though. You've got a seven foot one big man, can move pretty well, pretty good at blocking shots. Sit behind him for a couple years and see where you're at. Coloco is also a player that I would caution, even though he's 21 or 22. You got to think of him more as about 18 or 19 because he's still young to basketball. I don't really get caught up in the age demographics. I only get caught up in the age situation when a guy looks like he's physically maxed. And Christian Coloco isn't close to looking physically maxed. This is a player that's going to look a lot different when he's 25 than where he is right now at 21, 22 years old. So I'm again, I'm I'm curious to see how all of these guys do perform. Um, but again, uh, Dalen Terry, real tip of the cap right there. I don't think anybody should be surprised. Benedict Matherin, same way, Christian Coloco. But as you know, when you're at the U of A, you expect to see NBA draft picks out there, and that's an exciting thing to be able to watch right here. Okay, one thing, though, that you do need to know about, and if you ever wanted to bet on it, the one place that you would go is to the Bet Online Sportsbook. All right, let's talk a little bit about this. It, we're in the days of online gambling now. Why not go to a place that you can wholeheartedly trust? It's got the best deals. It's got everything up to date. You can get props. You can get futures. And again, the, the thing about it, I think so many people are worried about this. They're like, oh, well, I don't know what to do. It's all laid out there right for you with the uh, Bet Online Sportsbook app. Check it out. Um, where, uh, you know, like I said, I, they have prop bets. If you wanted to bet on how many U of A guys were going to go in the first round, they probably had that bet on there. That's where you want to be at, though. Check it out, the Bet Online Sportsbook. Let's come back and let's talk a little bit of maybe some underlooked parts of this coming Arizona basketball team. Thanks for keeping it locked on, Wildcats. I'm your host, Mike Luke. All right, now let's talk a little bit about that. We were talking about Arizona basketball and where um, it should be next year. And we've talked about a lot of the usual suspects. What do you want out of Azulis to Bellis? What do you want out of Dalen Terry? Players like that. But, or not Dalen Terry, excuse me, Kirk Creesa. But let's talk about some other guys that are maybe a little bit overlooked in this entire situation and who are on campus right now. And that first one is Philip Borovichinen. Six foot eight, obviously from an uh, international recruit. There are some Instagram videos of him going out right now where he looks really good. He, it's very, very difficult to say. So I'm not, I don't count on him for anything this year. But what did stick out to me a little bit was generally when these guys come in, 
You worry about their frame. You worry about their toughness. He physically looked pretty good. And I don't know that I necessarily thought that. I thought that you would see a player that was very timid, unsure of the American game, but he looks like he belongs out there. Now, if you've watched any of his videos, you know that skill-wise, he's fantastic. Um, He can hit step-back threes. He can get to the hoop. He can pull up. He can do a lot of different things. I don't really see a a huge role for him this year, not because he isn't good, but mainly because I just don't know where that where those minutes come from because Pella Larson's going to play 30 minutes. Courtney Ramey's going to play 30 minutes. Kirk Kreese is going to play 30. Then after that, you're bringing in a Gerald Henderson who you're not bringing in to sit on the bench. He's going to play a ton. You've got, uh, you know, Kylan Boswell factors in there somewhere as well. You've got a lot of players. Adama Ball, who we're going to get to in just a second, so I don't know that there's necessarily a, uh, a huge role for Philly B this year, but the one thing we know about Tommy Lloyd by this point is he knows international recruiting. So I am going to, I'm going to believe that he's going to be good. And that's pretty much all that I need to say about that one. All right. Adama Ball though, um, he really is the overlooked part of everything because he doesn't really factor into that core group of guys coming back. Because he didn't play a ton, your Kirk Creases, your Julius Tabellas, your Pella Larsons, he doesn't really factor into that equation, and he doesn't really factor into the newcomers like your, you know, your Courtney Ramies, your Gerald Hendersons, your Kylan Boswells, because he's not a newcomer. But would it really shock anybody if he's averaging about nine or ten points per game? I know it certainly wouldn't shock me at all because he is. He again. He he's physically he's very young. Uh, Tommy Lloyd made that point time and time again up in Phoenix that you know he's eighteen and a half. Where a lot of kids that are eighteen and a half now in this new era are starting their senior year of high school, not their second year of uh, college basketball. So he's young. He wants to learn. He stuck around and he got better throughout the year. And I think Lloyd uh, coined it best when he said, you know, I might have had the training wheels on for him a little bit too long. But when he was ready, he came out there and he performed. Ball is going to get every opportunity to win a starting spot, every opportunity to be a 25, 28-minute-per-game guy because he's got that potential. It's just going to be if he's going to be able to reach it or not. But Tommy Lloyd has talked time and time again about the role that he sees Ball fitting in this year. And I think you got to remember, people, that, you know, it's not like anybody coming back for Arizona is Ben Matherin or Dalen Terry, where you're like, all right, well, that's an All-American right there. You got solid players coming back. You got good players coming back. But, you know, maybe outside of the point guard and the power forward spot, I don't know any spot that is absolutely etched and set in stone. And, again, Pella Larson is 90% going to start. But if Adama Ball comes in here and starts looking like an All-American immediately – don't see why he wouldn't be in that equation as well. So we're certainly going to keep you up to date on what Adama Ball does because I think he factors in very nicely for this coming season and then really big in the 23-24 class, which we're going to get to here in just a second. We're going to take a quick break. Keep it locked on Wildcats. Thanks for keeping it locked on, Wildcats. I am your host, Mike Luke. All right. Now, we've talked a lot about this, but we're going to talk more about it. 22-23, I think, is going to be a little bit of a bridge year for Arizona, and there's nothing wrong with that, per se. Being that, 
Arizona is going to. I think Arizona is going to be in the top fifteen to twenty range, something like that. Not exactly sure where to find them, but they'll be somewhere in that in that area. Now, but the following year is where Arizona gets very, very interesting because you could have a roster, and again, I don't know, this This most likely won't be the case because this is college basketball, but you could have a roster where you could have Umar Ballo, Henry Visar, Ajulis Tabellis, um, Dylan Anderson, Kwame Evans Jr., uh, Philip Borovichinen, K.J. Lewis, Kylan Boswell, Adama Ball, Pella Larson. I mean, that lineup is just loaded right there. Now, the one thing, and we talked about this before in a different po- or another podcast, is that Kylan Boswell is a very important part to all of this because he's really the only point guard to put in there that uh, he's really the only point guard to put in there who I think um, is a true point guard. Now there's other guys that can man the position and Tommy Lloyd's talked about that, that he doesn't necessarily worry about any of that stuff, but um, because of the offense, how free flowing it is about how he wants guys everywhere, but it always is nice to have a point guard. So if you look at that roster, really the only thing that you're lacking is maybe depth at that point guard spot because you've got an abundance of wings like we talked about where you got K.J. Lewis, you got Adama Ball, you've got Pella Larson, you've got Borovichinen. Then you look up front, we talked about it, you got four or five bigs in Ballo, Dylan Anderson, Visar, potentially Tabellis, uh, Kwame Evans. So the only thing you really need is that point. So if you got that point guard, you're going to have that one pretty cinched up right there. But that would be the year that I would imagine that is going to be Tommy Lloyd, at least on paper. That's going to be his best team because it's going to be de- there's going to be depth. It's going to be all Tommy Lloyd players uh, for the most part. Although, like I said, Kirk Reese or Julius Tabellas certainly could be there. But that, to me, is the national title team. I don't view this year coming up as a national title contender. I view it as a very good team that could possibly win the conference. But I think that they are limited in ways that the following year's team won't be limited, and this previous year's team wasn't limited either. But, again, who knows, really. But Tommy Lloyd, you got to tip your cap to him because a lot of people were worried about that roster construction, how exactly the team would look. And what I think you're finding out right now is that he knows how to build a roster. He knows how to build a team. You just got to be able to trust Tommy Lloyd, and he's going to get this one done. Again, I look for this year's team to be a top 15 to 20 team, and then the year after that, that's when it's game on, national title type aspirations. It's kind of like where, you know, it's, it's kind of like a little bit where Sean Miller probably exceeded expectations in his second year by getting to the Elite Eight, and then that third year which everybody was banking on you lost Derek Williams so that kind of set you back another year but then by year four you are year four and five you're right there competing for championships and I think that's the way that this Arizona situation is going to lay out with this year and this coming season okay so again DeAndre Aiden gets paid Dalen Terry steps up a little bit of roster projections everybody as you know you have a great weekend out there um it's very hot, so like I said, but uh, we will be back Monday, um, breaking everything down. Schuster will be back. We're going to talk some Arizona hoops, as always, some Arizona football, maybe what's going on. We'll maybe get to a few recruiting updates as well. But again, thank all of you out there for listening. It means a ton, 
And you have been listening to the Locked On Wildcats podcast.